Hello, and welcome to the CSJ's Beyond Westminster podcast, where we bring you real stories from across Britain's forgotten communities. Today, about 1.1 million children across the UK are growing up without a father. Data shows that this has serious implications for children's health, educational attainment, future earning potential, and ultimately their life chances. But why is this happening? What does it really mean for children growing up in fatherless households? And what can we do about it? Today, Christina Odone, head of the CSJ's Family Policy Unit, leads a discussion with Lord Tony Sewell, former chair of the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities, Harriet Sargent, a journalist and author, Gareth Davis, Conservative Party MP for Grantham and Stamford, Sonia Saljean, the CEO of Lads Need Dads, and Marlon, a person with lived experience of fatherlessness. It's a miracle. A miracle. That is how our guest, Marlon, describes fatherhood. Yet having a dad is no longer routine in many families. The consequences, as we shall see, will affect us all. And yet, what are we doing to encourage fathers? Register a child's birth and no one will ask for the father's details. Mum is all you need. Walk into a maternity ward and you will hear midwives, GPs, gynecologists talk about a birthing partner and sometimes about the mum-to-be. But the word father? Never. Step into any workplace and you will learn about colleagues taking maternity leave, but seldom paternity leave. Erasing fathers in this way is risky. We know that there are some heroic single mothers raising brilliant sons on their own. But what happens to a boy who has no father figure in their life? Having no father is, is a serious thing. In my environment, a lot of people grew like that. So I think we got on, I think we just got on with it, to be fair. But when you, like, when you reflect on things, you think, I wish my dad was here for this or when I see a person with their father I wish that was my dad I wish my dad could have been involved so it is it is a it's up and down kind of roller coaster of thoughts that you go through and it's only when you sit down and think about it maybe when it affected your life and the mistakes you made you kind of blame them for it and it's a balance between the mother and the father to come together and think about this child's future and the mistakes I could have made, the mistakes I did make, he could have prevented them if he had to sit down with me or if he was there for me, maybe. Well, I've been entrepreneurial since I've been about seven. So if he saw that, he could have guided me to the right, to the right path. But my environment would kind of dictate that I would become, I would sell drugs or something like that, where he could have said, okay, you look, you sold sweets, you sold this in school, you sold that, or set up a little business for you, or you tried something. But my environment and the role models around, everyone was drug dealers or robbers or something like that. So I'm young, I'm going to make mistakes and think that's okay because no one's telling me that it's not. Where your mother's kind of a bit, they're gentle and a bit merciful and you could kind of hide things from them. Where your father could pick up on certain behaviours that you're bringing to the house. You don't want them to be like how we grew up. You're trying to protect them from the dangers and the mistakes that we made, because we made grave mistakes. You're listening to the CSJ's Beyond Westminster podcast, 
where we're discussing fatherlessness and its impact on children and society. We've just heard from Marlon, who shared his story of growing up without a father. We'll now hear from Lord Tony Sewell, who will share his views on the role fathers play in raising children and why we need to talk more about the F word, that is, family, in Westminster. It shortchanges not only the men who would help raise their child, given half a chance, but also the mother of their child, who must discharge a responsibility usually borne by two people. And of course, the child themselves, whose outcomes, as we shall see, will be compromised by the absence of a father. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, I knew that my own background, Caribbean background, the, the, the single parent household was was a lot, but it was the it was the most in terms of uh, proportionally in terms of the whole country at something like sixty seven percent in single parent households. And then you have to then make the leap and make a make a quiet, you know, you know, direct correlation between educational outcomes and that and, and the status of those families. And it's quite clear that the African group that had it was for them rather around 40 percent ish um uh, uh, but still way off from the caribbean group and then you have to ask yourself what then is the variable that's the difference between the two because the african group was definitely getting better results than the white group uh, and also less exclusions than the white group as well so you had this outlier of the, the caribbean or uh, well, really, was it an outlier? It was really very similar-ish to the white group. It's just, it's just that there were different things going on, perhaps. In, 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 and we can, we can, we can argue the toss about that. And it's not discount there was racisms around, but the, the, the real issue here was family, and the differential, differentiating factor, I think, is that. And then you have to look at how those families operate, poverty, and you have to look at the way in which the fathers. Are particularly present in that in that context, and I think that that does that 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 was a was a, was a, is a key factor, and one that that continually has been dodged <laughs> by policymakers and everybody because they're nervous, you know. Lord Tony Sewell chaired the Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities in 2020. His commissioners found the myth of the supermom, where in fact what happens is you have quite vocal. Um, and prominent black women who maybe from a Caribbean background, from, even from other backgrounds, who, and this is, we're now entering very sensitive territory here, Christy. Um, and, and this is where it get and every, everybody has their personalized stories around this, uh, their alleged lived experiences in inverted commas, and their, <laughs> their own truth, as it were. And, and so what tends to happen is that, um, that that group will tell you quite clearly. Look, I managed to raise my son on his own. I had my career. I did this, and you know, and you, you're here, Tony, talking to me about single parenthood. Well, look, I know it was tough, but I could, I, I could do it. Now, the implication in that, once you start going down that route, is well, why can't other people do that then? Sonia Shaljean founder and CEO of Lads Need Dads charity, comes across similar issues in her work on the front line. So the common themes that we find at Lads Need Dads are issues such as low self-esteem, a lack of confidence and motivation, anger, bouts of rage, self-doubt, a crisis of identity, 
a lack of purpose and this need to belong. And it can play itself out in school and it can lead to disruptive behavior, underachievement, poor attendance and even school exclusion. So our study sought to gather feedback from over 1400 teachers and leaders and pastoral staff across various school settings in Essex. Um, we wanted to find out their experience of the impact of absent father on boys and if there was evidential you know, um, impact. And the findings indicated that there was a high level of agreement as to the impact of the absent father on behavior, followed by educational attainment, attendance, and the likelihood of exclusion across all settings. So that was primary, secondary, and also um, MLD, which is mild learning difficulty settings. Lads Need Dads recently commissioned a survey of 1,400 teachers, school counsellors, and other professionals working with pupils in primary and secondary schools across Essex. They describe how primary and secondary school boys who do not have dads at home are unable to manage their anger, 61% found this, have worse academic record, 67%, and have poor attendance, 38%. A flagging system to be implemented in schools so when boys transition from primary to secondary that the school will know that that child does not have an active father in their life. Um, when I talk about active or absent, I mean absent from the home and the child's life, not just absent from the home, because there are many dads that still remain active in a child's life. So I wouldn't call them an absent father. It's the ones that are absent in their home and in their life, just to make that clear because we want them to be active in their life, obviously, we want to encourage that. So our second point is a greater emphasis on the development of boys' emotional intelligence. So one area of focus that Lasney dads do well and practice from day one with the boys is teaching them emotional literacy. So we believe we need to make spaces available in schools for boys to come together regularly, because in schools, they often have groups for lots of other smaller groups, um, um, that have been highlighted as needing that extra support. But actually, boys, um, they're kind of overlooked, really. And uh, when it comes to boys understanding their emotions and their and the emotions and feelings of other people, it's, it's really key because it's very linked to behaviour. So if we can help them actually address how they're feeling, it can really de-escalate problematic behaviour later on. So our third recommendation is better in provision of male role models. So we want to see more male pastoral staff, teaching assistants and teachers. We want school to reflect society because at the moment it just doesn't. The Essex research confirms what a host of other studies have highlighted. Outcomes for children without fathers are poorer than for those with a dad who engages with their upbringing. They're more likely to struggle at school, join gangs, get in trouble with the police. 76% of males under 18 in prison in England and Wales had an absent father, according to the Prison Reform Trust. Let's hear now from Harriet Sargent, journalist and author, who has written about boys joining gangs. 
When I was interviewing all the young men for my think tank report, Wasted, uh, it really broke my heart how desperately they vulnerable they were to the attention of an adult male. And an adult male would do anything. They were like little puppy dogs, you know, squirming around saying, you know, tickle my tummy, tickle my tummy. And it was because, um, I remember once in particular, I think it was with, with Beans, actually, I went to magistrate's court and I spent the day with him because he, he was up, get, to, to, I went to speak on his behalf at the magistrate's court. And there was the magistrate, you know, there were all these women telling Beans what to do. There was, you know, the magistrate was a woman, there was me there, his mother turned up. There was a social worker. There was a youth offender woman. So there was a five, four or five women all telling him how he should be running his life. And teenage boys, and I think this has been shown actually scientifically, they, their minds just close off to the female voice wittering on. And I could see his mind just close. And if he had, instead of us all being incredibly articulate, he'd had one male just grunt at him and tell him just to, you know, one, just stop being such an idiot. It would have worked so much better. And there they suddenly, these boys, and who have no, don't spend any time with adult males. I mean, I think it's something like um, various, uh, that, you know, about a third of, of uh, boys from single parent families spend um, two hours a week with an adult male because all the teachers are female. They don't see any adult males. And I was amazed when Tuggy Tug first went to prison I, at 18, and I thought, oh, he's going to hate it. Well, he loved prison for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons was because he was spending time with adult males for the first time. And he said, you know, it's, you have such interesting conversations with them. It was, it was, it was so sad. I was doing a think tank report on why um, African-Caribbean and white working-class boys are betrayed, why they fail. So I was going all around the country um, interviewing what turned out to be mostly criminal teenage boys. And I then turned this report into a book because during this, I found this gang um, outside a chicken takeaway on uh, Knights Hill. And I was terrified of them. They were standing there. They, I was looking at them out from the other side of the road thinking, oh my goodness, I must go and interview them. But oh my goodness, I'm so frightened. And they were cadging cigarettes off passers-by and they were, um, shout, they were sh shouting and yelling at people. And they sort of, you know, they had this high spirits that threatened to overspill into violence at any moment. Uh, but anyway, I went over and talked to them. And from that, really, my report and my book began. And I met Marlon through the leader of, of that gang. And my book is Among the Hoods, published by Faber. None of them mentioned their fathers. None of them talked ever about their fathers. Where our environment, our mothers are struggling. And all outside is the drug dealer, the robbers, the hustlers, and you think that's what you have to be. You like They're actually young, men themselves, but you're just young, so they just look like big people to you. So whatever they're choosing, and if they're successful at it, that's what you do, because you think that's what works, because there's no link between education and success where we come from. All the, all the people that have things, material things anyway, are the hustlers, the, and so to speak, and the criminals. 
But we don't look at them as criminals. We look at them like they're trying to survive. They got character and they're nice to us. So they would give us money. There was, if we went shop, we get to keep the change. They're men, they can relate to us. We only got our mothers in the house. So it, I guess we need better role models that are successful in those neighborhoods. I went on a, a trip with David Lammy. Now there are two David Lammys, the, um, uh, uh, the the shadow minister for uh, uh, foreign 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 minister, foreign secretary. Is that show? We 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 went on a on a on a, on a great field trip. This was this was I call him the young Lammy rather than the one that we have now. And um, it, it, we went on into Birmingham to a young offenders unit, and we went in and we sat down. And we had. All the boys, and basically most of the young men who were in front of us were were, were black women for London, and they were they were you know around about 18, 16, under 18, 16, 17 years, and they're in this young offenders units for some of them for serious crimes. And well, number one, they all thought they were innocent. By the way, they never none of them, none of them judge. I didn't do it. You know, so that was everybody in there. Secondly, the the, the narrative got round to fathers. And it was to a boy was were felt that there was this issue around it, a crisis that was surrounding fatherhood. And, that, and, and, and we left both of us, Lammy and I, arm in arm, saying that we recognize that this is a key issue in the community. But as you know, it's no longer convenient for him to talk about that. I just want mums to embrace, you know, learning more about how boys tick and how they're different to girls and what they need if if they're raising them alone. You know, we want to help them. We're not judging them and saying, you must have dad in, in this child's life. But we're saying, if you haven't got him in your life, in your child's life, then you've got to look at alternatives and maybe examine what how you're parenting too, because your role changes as the child grows into a man. As anxiety and depression soar post-COVID, especially among young people, with one in six children diagnosed with a mental health issue, professionals should be all the more conscious of drawing upon the rich resource that is a father. It's quite clear that those boys who um, actually uh, are disaffected or feel um, estranged from our society get excluded, invariably somebody is not giving them the structures uh, to kind of, you know, frame their early well-being. And I do think in many ways the loss of that father figure means that they feel in some ways traumatised. And the way in which that works is that they kick up against authority. Yeah. Fatherhood, to a certain extent, has become, I mean, in a way, biologically, you can do without the father in a sense, of the of the nurturing element. That's how the society has sort of placed it. However, the father clearly, particularly for boys, I think brings they bring a couple of things to this story. I think one of the things I've noticed in terms of nurturing is the, the way in which um, there is an element here that of, of a nurturing that is around what I call law lines, risk taking a lot a lot of the and then this, this is stereotypes but i do i have noticed that in fact a lot of men do bring that to the table and i think that that's quite important for for boys not that girls don't want it but girls can take that as well but their 
their kind of presence in the in 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 the nurturing process i think is key um and i think that if you i mean obviously you can't find a father for some reason that, that that's different but i do think they bring an important element to to uh the way in which boys and girls are raised and i do think that um they also bring a just just a very simple kind of element that this might sound is that it, economically it's just easier when there's two of you than there is one you know there's more money much more there two people doing this thing you know and what we have to do is the evidence is clear the, the communities and this came out in the report implicitly that were doing better did have those two people around compared to those who didn't and then as a boy grows into a teenager he naturally pulls away from parents anyway and wants to become his own person and his friendship group become the most important part of their life. So you've only really got those key few years to really make an impression and an impact on your children. I've realised that as a mum, you know, and uh, working closely with the mums, mums will say, you know, hardly, well, our boys do talk, but you know, when they first come to us and, and ask for them to be helped, they'll say he never talks to me. He's so shut down. He's only interested in his friendship group. And I'll try and say, look, that's part of life. That's part of the natural development of a teenage boy. He will move away from mum and want to be just around his friends. That's just part and parcel. But if he's if that's the only parent they've got, that's when dad needs to step in. That's when dad really comes into his full use almost you know during those teenage years and when when you might have questions that are personal or you know things about I don't know relationships or sex or anything like that you may feel embarrassed to talk to mum about so he really does need that male input and 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 dad to talk to in those funny times like going for a walk with the dog or going down to the shops to buy a pint of milk I know my boys they've all got their dad, I'm married and, you know, he's here. And I don't feel very useful as a mom sometimes, except for clean washing and money on their dinner card, you know. But for for the dad, he takes them to all their sports um, events and but just walking down the road to buy something from the shop and have a chat with dad at night at 11 o'clock. You know, that's what, that's what the boys miss out on who haven't got dads. You know, those Sunday afternoon bike rides, all of that. We need fathers to know and feel that they've got an important role to play. I just feel like they, a lot of fathers don't recognise how valuable they are to society, to their families, you know, and we need to invest in them and value them more. I think we need to have more father-inclusive services, you know, right from when mum's pregnant, right up, right through, not just those early years. I know there's there's lots of um, new groups sprouting up for new dads and things like that, which is great and commendable, and we need them. Um, but I don't think we should peter off. Do you know what I mean? It's because the teenage years, those adolescents, the preteen, post, you know, the, the 11 to 15, potentially, the critical years, we call it, are so crucial for dad to be around because it's the time when boys are developing into young men and they need dad to identify with and to walk alongside and almost be their apprentice. The difference that fathers make is just that something in the same morning that I met um, Tuggy Tug and his gang and um, 
and I interviewed them and I asked them what they saw as their future and they really, all they could see for their future was crime and prison, really, even at that age. And then actually I then went about 15 minutes walk away and I saw this other group of boys who looked just the same and they were standing on top of um, some garages and they were shouting and throwing things down and carrying on. So I thought, oh, well, exactly the same. And so then they came down to talk to me and it was completely different because when I asked them, where are you going to be in five years' time? They all had plans. So I said, well, tell me. And there was, there was Mustafa, and I remember Mustafa told me that he was going to be a plumber because his father had friends who were plumbers and they were going to arrange some um, work experience for him. And all the boys, it was the same story, they all had fathers. The, um, I remember there was another boy and he wanted to be an engineer and his uncle was an engineer and his father was taking him to his uncle every weekend. There were two white boys and they were doing the cadets every, every week. And that's because one of the boys' fathers was a soldier, so he was taking them there. Their fathers were intervening, very like Marlon said, sorting out their life. And another man I interviewed, now you know, he was in his 40s when I interviewed him, and he said he remembered um, that at 14 or 15, he and the white boys in his class were all the same, all behaving really badly. And then he said, you know, we all started from the same place. But when they started misbehaving at 14, the white boys he knew, they had fathers um, to sort them out, to, you know, send them off to do, go and work with my friend Gary, who mends washing machines. So they were sorted out. I remember also interviewing um, a young white man in, from Newcastle who'd just come out of prison and him saying to me, if I'd had a father, I'd have got a good hiding and I probably wouldn't be here now. Leaving dads out of the equation carries a cost because while mothers carry their babies, fathers don't. They can simply walk away and they will if everyone involved with their child's upbringing makes them feel unwelcome. Fathers asserting themselves is interpreted as you almost going down, you know, because at the moment we're in a culture now where because the police have behaved badly, whatever, there's a, almost a sense now of men are not good news. Yeah, they're not very, <laughs> the idea of the man coming around and, and doing some assertion is, isn't good, isn't a good story at the moment because he's linked with all this, uh, abusiveness, etc., and, and 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 exploitation of women, and so you get, and we even having legislation now around, you know, wolf whistling and things like that. So continuously, you, you you're in this. So it's 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 a hard space to assert fatherhood um, because fatherhood is linked to masculinity. Now, I think that maybe one of the ways around it is to is is for us to say that look, um, we have. Um, 900 children locked up for not a lot but 900 is still a number young people locked up and and 98 of them are boys there's about five girls locked up in the whole country for, for criminal activity in the whole of the uk just a handful so something is happening to young men and we can't just say that have fathers have nothing to do with this that's on the negative side and then those of us, and this is where the hypocrisy comes in, 
those of us who, uh, who, who, have ha- who are having a happy world and a happy existence, psychologically more or less together, invariably a lot of those people had two parents. You know what I mean? And, and so, you know, it's a hip- hypocrisy to then turn around and say, oh, fathers don't matter, you know. They were there and they helped you and 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 and, and you did well out of it. So, um, yeah, my argument is we've got to come back. We've got to come back carefully but we've got to come back in a way that um, it shows that we're needed because the society will not will not do well if we do not have those father figures. I do think there are places now where we need the fathers present. I do think that women have just ha- had to take on this role and then there's a sort of assumption the fathers do nothing. For example, when we're doing, when there are mediation contexts involving children, Fathers should always be there. I think constantly where there's a child is in crisis, it's a mother that's going there, always the mother, yeah, overreaching in that area. And so we just, the fathers just not, we're assuming they're not going to be there. And I think that in the ways in which we try and do the child caring and the child rearing, we've got to try and think of ways of, of bringing fathers in there and being less fearful of fathers. I remember I was doing a nursery once, doing some years ago, doing some. Um, I was helping a child with his homework in the corner, and the mothers came into the nursery. They didn't really; they were objecting to the fact that a man was in the nursery. Yeah, you know what I mean. And they're kind of like what going up to the leader of the nursery, saying, "What's he doing there?" You know, because this is kind of a woman's space, you know. So, you know, well, why can't those spaces, the nurturing spaces, need to be, we need to have more more boys in, the, more men in, in into those spaces. And, and how we, and how, you know, kind of execute that is important, you know. So that you don't get this sort of sense that, oh, because a man is there, he's a potential abuser. You know what I mean? The instinct is, oh, he's around. Oh, let's get health and safety. A man is around. You know, which is, there's no evidence that that's the case at all. Mothers, too, can make dads feel like a spare part, or worse, like a sinister interloper. Obviously, increase paternity leave for men so that, you know, they, they are um, valued. It's not just a little add-on you know, to support mom. Yes, mums need supporting, but their role as a father needs acknowledging. That time to attach to the child is key, you know, in those early years. Um, And obviously more flexible work hours so that, because we all managed, didn't we, in a way through COVID and lockdown, all of a sudden home working happened and we managed to do it. And I think it's really, there are some positive things that came from COVID. I think more men spent time with their children than ever before. And um, I think it's probably impacted a lot of men to take a real lifestyle um, change and look at the the, the work-life balance, you know. Um, One key area that we need to increase is awareness with single parent mothers. And this is the focus over the next three years for Lads Need Dads. It's to raise awareness with single parent mothers that actually having a male involved in the child's life, ideally dad, if he's no threat to the mom or the child, is actually the best option because 
sadly things come back to bite you on the backside if you if you keep a father out of the life of a child and he's no risk or threat to that child but you're doing it as a way to hurt him because he hurt you and left you for example and actually the person that will pay the price is not just the mother herself but the children when she gets the phone call from school saying that for example billy has been disruptive or difficult or he's just not trying hard enough or his mental health is spiraling you know why wait for all that to happen so there's a there's a load of work we need to do with single mums not just raising awareness about the importance of fathers in their lives but also um about the way they relate to their sons because single mothers can take try and take two roles on you know try to be mom and dad and they can be over disciplinarian if that's the word you know they can be too um too strict and their own fears can get in the way so for example we had one boy who uh really wanted to ride a bike he really wanted to learn first of all we get boys that can't ride bikes for example or even climb trees because mums are so cautious about them taking risks and that's another thing fathers are what they're just different to mothers you know when you see that analogy of a baby being thrown up in the air it's not a woman that's doing it is it it's a man you know it's like how high can I throw this baby and worse the, the mums are stood behind frightened to death thinking you're going to drop it and that's the difference boys need to take risks and if they don't have that male role model or the father in their life they're often held back so we get boys who literally um, can't ride a bike, can't climb trees, won't even pick a worm up off the ground because they're going to be told off because their hands will get dirty. We're too overprotective sometimes as mothers and we need to let go a bit. So we've had to literally take boys by the hand and teach them how to ride a bike, take them out on the roads and show mums that this is part of life. You know, taking risks is part of life. We, we have all the statistics on how children, and especially boys from single mothers, even though there are some amazing single mothers, on the whole do quite badly. And so to me, it's extraordinary that the government seems to be pushing the absence of fathers and creating the situation. I mean, the government, whenever I've talked to ministers or politicians, they all say, they all seem to be living in about 50 years ago, where there was a couple together have children, and then the man goes off and abandons his family. I mean, that just doesn't exist in any of the communities that I've been interviewing. I mean, what happens is that the woman, well, I remember what happened. It was described to me by Prince, who's a coke dealer. It's quite a serious coke dealer. And he had five children by four different women. And he explained that he would be, you know, starting with a woman, they'd start dating and then, as he put it, bang, she gets pregnant. And then we get to know each other while she's pregnant and having the baby. Well, as you can imagine, that's not really the best way of getting to know anyone. And that the relationship then breaks down. Prince was also very upset about the situation. He didn't look on it completely as his fault. He said that the government, in the present situation, men are eradicated. And he said that um, the government provides, well, the government in, it marries the girls because the government provides them with a home and the government provides them with an income. And then the men are kind of almost superfluous. They're made superfluous and they just arrive with um, a pair of inexpensive trainers or some new toys. 
and then they go off away again. And the mother doesn't really need them. And a lot of mothers, and again, this is you know white and African Caribbean community, but will have different children by different men. Fatherhood used to confer social status and significance on men of all economic backgrounds. But now, many young boys are growing in a society that celebrates almost exclusively roles that are well-paid and high-profile. Fatherhood, instead, is domestic, unpaid work, the kind society confers a low status on. Gareth Davis is the Conservative MP for Grantham and Stamford and a new father. I think, you know, historically, obviously, you know, mother, no, nobody's disputing the fact that mothers have, you know, the most important role, which is the nature role. But dads do have an important nurture role as well. And, you know, for me as a, as a politician, I want to do everything I can to make sure that new dads are not restricted from being able to spend as much time with their child but also to be able to help new mums. And so uh, I think historically it has been underappreciated, the importance of dads to new children and children throughout their lives, but also critically the point about how important it is to new mums as well. So that, that you know, it's not just the mum's responsibility, it is both parents' responsibility. And when both parents take responsibility, that instills that sense of responsibility in the child. The evidence could not be clearer about the impact that fathers have. At five months, a baby whose dad is engaged will show greater cognitive development. As a toddler, they will have better problem-solving skills. By age three, they have a higher IQ score. Moreover, dads who feel engaged are third less likely to separate from the mother of their child. But our system does not encourage a father's presence in those key early days. The current minimum statutory requirement is just two weeks paternity leave, which is scant when compared to the 52-week entitlement rightly given for maternity leave. Gareth Davis MP wants to change all that. This new father has proposed a private member's bill, the Paternity Leave and Pay Bill, to extend and improve paternity leave. It got its second reading in February 2023. So I think, um, you know, for me personally, as I've said, I think the sense of responsibility that you have when you become a new parent is colossal. And that gives you a new um, perspective on life. It's everything from how you treat other people because you realise that everybody's been a baby at some point and had parents uh, who's looked after them right down to, um, you know, literally day to day, just thinking about how much more time you can spend with, with your child because you know it's so important. These changes would prove popular with dads. A survey the CSJ conducted with Public First pollsters found that 76% of fathers said they want more time to spend with their children and almost the same percentage want more paternity leave. So a few simple changes would go a long way to reassure dads that they matter. Father's details, their contact number and NHS number, should be part of the NHS birth notification form. Maternity services should include the word father in their literature, in print and online. 
Employers should offer more flexible and more generous paternity leave. And maybe we could find a celebrity or two who could champion the role of the father, explicitly linking it to better outcomes for children. These measures could foster a much-needed cultural change so that fathers feel valued rather than undermined, central to the family rather than a spare part. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to our channel for more interesting content like this and follow us on Twitter at CSJ Think Tank for more updates.